now, say now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Momentum Studios, and we're pretty deep in the lab today, man. Yeah. Pretty deep in the lab. We got a full squad in here in the lab today, starting off with myself, Devon Pouncey, and uh, Spencer's back. How you doing today, man? Feeling good. Feeling great. How are you? That's a that's a that's a classic. <laughs> that's a classic you playing with there. That is a classic you playing with there. We also have my guy Chris Partee, friend of the show, back again, Yay. back in the city of Portland, and uh, coming down from Deadspin, doing a lot of Deadspin work. Good work out in Chicago, man. Good to have you here. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me while I'm in town. How long are you in town? I'm actually leaving tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I've been here okay. all week. I've been here since Monday. Okay. And now, lastly, we got the grand introduction. New to the show. Someone you've never heard before. His name is Dr. Mark Williams. But I'm 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 reading the bio. I'm reading the bio for Dr. Mark. Because again, obviously, we are re- we are introducing him to you all here as listeners of the podcast. Dr. Mark is considered a sports marketing pioneer. He's worked for three of the largest sports brands in the world. Champ Sports, Foot Action, and Reebok. While at Champ Sports, he helped them become a billion-dollar brand. He was recently named as one of the top 100 influential blacks in the world today by Core Magazine and considered one of the top 25 inspirational speakers in America by CNN. Dr. Mark is one of the nation's experts on student-athlete development. He's visited over 500 college campuses, spoken to more than 300,000 student-athletes, He has worked with various sports and entertainment stars such as Michael Jordan, Beyonce, Jay-Z, tennis legends Venus Williams, Roger Federer, and Michael Chang. Dr. Mark, man, glad to have you. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing well, man, doing well. Good good to see you here with us, you know, joining us in studio. Appreciate you, Partee. I always appreciate the ones that are willing to come in studio and make it happen. It's all good. You know, it's a vibe. We get to vibe off each other, feel feel off of each other and our thoughts and our takes and talking about things that we quite frankly care about. And I want to just get straight to it because, Dr. Mark, you and I have been conversing over the last few days and we were you know, conversing about the Deion Sanders situation and him going to that of Colorado, leaving Jackson State. And we'll get into all of that. But then we all wake up this morning and there is the big, grand, wonderful news that Brittany Griner is being released uh, from a federal prison, a penal colony, if you will, in Russia. And she has made her way back here to the United States at the time when we received the news. She was on her way back home. I believe she has arrived here now. And before we kind of get into the politics and some of the things going on surrounding that, starting with you, Dr. Mark, and I asked you too as well, I just want to know how you felt. What was your initial reaction when you saw the news Knowing what it is that we've gone through for upwards of 280 days with her being away. Yeah, 294 days, man. Uh, it's because uh, I've been posting about it, you know, trying to you know get my students and, and other people to stay alert and understand the politics <clears throat> of it. Uh, a lot of people, you know, get emotional about it, obviously, because it's a it's a touchy situation. And then you've got the fact that the sister is is, uh, is gay, and then that's another factor of it. Then she's in the WNBA. Yeah. That's another factor, another element. And the fact that, you know, they, they don't get paid the same amount of money NBA players get paid, and that's why she was over there to begin with, uh, to make sure that her money's straight. <clears throat> and uh, I think that uh, when I first saw it, <clears throat> 
I heard about it. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to happen for for another couple of years. I yeah. mean, I, when when they said that she was in that in that that uh, prison in terms of the the calling that she was in, I was like, okay, this is this doesn't sound good. But I try to be optimistic and try to continue to keep keep it going. But I think um, knowing the politics <clears throat> and looking at who they swiped her for, yeah, my eyebrows raised. I'm like, damn, this this pretty pretty powerful move, bold move. And, yeah. Uh, and I just pray and hope that um, the people that have been supporting her are there for her to support her, that she gets the mental, uh, you know, support that she needs to get. Because I, I yes. can't imagine her <laughs> mind being right, man. After yeah. That. That's yeah. crazy. Absolutely. But she got mad support in America. And I, I love to see the, the the number of people that came together to support her. Absolutely. Part T, what was your reaction? I was shocked, honestly, because I I mean, I know this is these have been ongoing discussions and negotiations, basically, to try to get her back over here. But... I just, like Dr. Mark just said, I thought she was going to be there a couple more years yeah. to be very, because it just didn't look like there was a lot of ground being gained going towards bringing her back home. Right. So uh, I was just happy to hear it, but it was kind of like, oh, I'm like, oh, damn, it, it actually happened. Yeah. I had to check around a little bit to make sure, like, you know, yeah, hoaxes and stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first, yeah. the first report, you didn't believe it. Yeah. Huh? Like, yeah. Right, let, me, let me take a look at this. Let me yeah. get on the computer. Let me get on my phone real quick. But I was just happy to see her home. Yeah. And yeah. you talk about the, uh, the mental aspect of it. It's going to take some time for her to, in my opinion, to reacclimate. So, you know, I just hope the people that have been supporting her, as far as the people close to her, yeah. continue to support her <laughs> and uphold her because it's going to take some time yeah. after yeah. what she's gone through. And we don't even know everything that she actually went, went through yes. being there. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, 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 she may talk about it at some point. She may not ever talk about it publicly, but you can only imagine right. in a foreign country yeah. what you're going to go through as an American. For sure, yeah. for sure. So Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I like how you mentioned that like her mental is, like I think, the biggest part of it. Optically, when I saw the pictures, they cut her locks off. So that to me just showed like that was the biggest optical, like, you know what I'm saying, signifier of, of what she actually went through mentally. Yeah. And I I don't expect anybody to, you know, I, I'm not expecting a tell all book or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I just, that, that, that was like the visceral reaction that I had. And I was like, man, like, it's right there. Although she's smiling in all of the pictures, yeah. which mm -hmm. is awesome. And yeah. I, I mean, that's just. That's the, that was the greatest thing because I agree with you guys. I did not expect I was as pessimistic as they could get. I said as soon as she got over to that 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 work prison, yeah. I was like, then she's gonna serve me. out that entire sentence. Yeah, yeah. that's what it felt yeah. like. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people are, you know, I mean, I was I was I was following Dave Zirin's uh, uh, Twitter pretty yeah. closely today, and he was just sort of uh, you know waxing poetically as he could about. Just a lot of the backlash that he's gotten from, you know, people who are trying to explain Russian <laughs> Russian drug laws. And yeah, 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 yeah. No yeah. idea what they're talking about. So, <laughs> right. but I mean, but I, I, outside of all of that, like, it was just a really happy moment. You texted me first thing in the morning. Yeah, and yeah, said, yeah, and yeah, yeah like, for sure. It was just yeah. the greatest news. Oh, I'm, man, I woke up to it. Relief. it. Oh, it was a huge moment of relief, yeah. man. I, I woke up to it. Obviously, relief for her. And, and again, I think you all are absolutely correct. Um, there's more work to be done with her and more support that yep. she's going to need transitioning back here after going through all the things. Many of them, we don't know, you know, you even mentioned her smiling and it's like, for me, yeah, I was glad to see the smile too, but also she's been a star for how long she's used to being able to smile in front of a camera. She's had so many cameras in front of her face throughout the course of her career that although it was good to see the smile, I can't imagine that 
that was all the, that was all the emotion that she had <laughs> from being able to make it home after going through everything that she's gone through. So I was super happy. To, you know, I woke up, I text everybody in my phone at six something in the morning, whatever time it was that I was texting people. And, and then obviously, you know, just with the world that I live in, um, for me, this was just another win for advocacy. And oftentimes we deem our advocacy to be in vain. Because sometimes we just don't get the results that we want from advocacy. But knowing the advocacy put in on so many fronts from WNBA yeah. players to, you know, to folks in the media, to NCAA coaches, the Don Staley's of the world, to general society, to us right here on this podcast and the advocacy that we did and connecting with Senator Ron White and just trying to make a push to advocate for, for her to be able to come home. Um, it was a huge advocacy win outside of obviously the personal win that it is for her, that it is for her family. And it, it was just, you know, again, I think advocacy really works. And I think sometimes um, it, it can be tough work. It, it right. could be really tough work. So tough. Yeah. to be able to see that happen. And then also beyond that, I just think it just shows the, the, the elements of universal language that sports has hmm. in general. Um, yeah, sports have has its flaws. The systems of sports has its flaws. I mean, you 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 work, you do D DEI work, you know, at Pacific University as well for the athletics program. So we know that there's flaws within the systems and the infrastructures of sports. But as far as the participants and supporters, we saw so much support for Griner poured in from every which way, from so many diverse backgrounds. Yep. And it seems like the ones that aren't supporting are kind of the people you expect wouldn't support. Yep, yep. You know, <clears throat> not, not getting off the topic, but I was curious. One of the first things I thought about, I know it's not even on her mind, but I was like, who would you like to see the first person to interview her? Yeah. Mm. I, I was like, uh, hmm. I had Oprah. I had uh, Robin Roberts. I had Jamel Hill. Yeah. Right, I had Soledad O'Brien. Who, who, who would you who would you like to see interview her the first interview? I mean, other than yourself. <clears throat> no, yeah, right? yeah, of course. Um, That's a good um, question. Yeah. The, That's the good first question. person that I would like to see interview her, I, I actually I might throw a plot twist in there. I think I'm going Carrie Champion. Really? Ooh, wow. Oh, that's a good one. I, I think I'm going Carrie Champion. Carrie Champion has obviously been a huge advocate. We know the work that that she did with First Take over at ESPN. Um, we know the work that that her and Jamel Hill have done, you know, in recent years since they both have departed ESPN. Um, but for me, Carrie, I, I also listen to Carrie's podcast as well. And I think Carrie is really good at making you comfortable enough to, like, open up and be vulnerable about your real, <clears throat> genuine, authentic experience. And so, and she's got a new show now on Prime, Amazon. She just launched a new Amazon show, uh, a daily show. But for me, you know, just as a black woman in sports and just somebody who I, I, I like her actual interview style, I, I think I would go Carrie Champion. But I'm I'm very, very interested in hearing you all's as well. I'd probably go um, Jamel Hill. That, that's why I, I, I just I've always liked Jamel. and they two are the I've, same as far as, yeah, as, far as that's I, concerned. I, I've always liked Jamel Hill. But, yeah, um, I I think realistically, I mean, I can see it being Oprah too. Yeah, she's yeah. Being, yeah she's gonna go major. Yeah, I can, I can see just that. See that happening. Yeah. Robert, the first Robert, conversation. Robert Roberts played basketball. Yeah. Right, too. right, Robert, right. And all of those are great yeah. choices. <laughs> I, I think it's about what you know. Where does she feel comfortable? I, I think that's the, like the the road you're trying to go down of like. Where is the person that's going to get the most comfortability out? Of? You yeah. don't. You don't want to. It's not. This isn't a. 
it became an issue so quickly that it was so beyond sports. Yeah. That like even me selfishly, I had to like like stop myself from being like, oh man, I can't wait to see your hoop again. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like that's not even the issue. That doesn't even yeah. matter. It doesn't right even now. matter yeah. right now. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but so but I think that in the in the, in uh, the, that realm of of who she's gonna be interviewed in, it would it would be nice to see somebody who like isn't necessarily affiliated in sports so directly to where it was like. You know what I'm saying? A, a more like larger, zoomed out sort of yeah. perspective. So, who, who, Oprah what about is you, a Doc? great one. <laughs> what about you, Doc? Um, I, I think uh, Robin Roberts would be interesting. Okay. Um, because she played ball, uh, she worked for ESPN. Um, she has a crazy platform, obviously, in Good yeah. America. Um, but I also think, uh, you know, real sports. You know, with uh, <clears throat> Brian Gumble. Mm. Well, 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 Soledad O'Brien's on there too. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and I'm also thinking woman. I'm thinking a woman, a uh, woman of color, would be essential in terms of bringing it out. So Carrie Champion, when you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, like, Carrie Champion would be really interesting. Yeah, she uh, she's just a great interview. I think it definitely should be a woman of color. Yeah, like, I think 1, just without a doubt, I think we should be out of the question for for, for this one hundred specifically for the first one back. For the, for, yeah. for the first one, yeah. when she, and, and when she's ready, of course. Yeah, yeah. Whenever that is, it can be a year from now. Yeah. If she's not, the, the, hey, so be it. Got to wait a year. But and, I think and you know it what? Be I, I think I think I think the other thing too is that. <clears throat> somebody talking about the politics and doing it in a way that uh, is not um, once they turn because people are going to get turned off no matter what you say mm -hmm. but yeah. I do think that there has to be some element of creativity in how they how they interview her but also the politics play a major role in this um, and also the disparity in terms right. of pay gap in the right. athletes and the players and the WNBA versus NBA in that, in that sense I'd probably say Angela Rye then Ooh. okay Ooh. okay yeah. in that sense I would yeah. say Angela Rye she's already interviewed her wife, Sherelle Griner, yeah. on ESPN. Um, so and she obviously works with ESPN as well now. Huh. So there's the sports angle there, if you will. But she was hired to do and and cover things that huh. have, you know, deeper political yeah. impact and Not so and cultural impact, if you will. So in that case, I, I would probably say Angela Rye. Um, she's been there. She supported, you know, Britney's wife throughout this time period directly. Um, Britney's wife was willing up to open up to her. That's not to say Britney will as well. Again, we don't yeah. know. But um, politically, which I do think is important, I, I would definitely say Angela Rye. But I also, you know, you sticking to sort of the political side of this. Joy Reid. There, there's obviously a lot of conversation about the actual trade that took place. Um, and, and, and I guess one of the interesting caveats is it sure is a lot of these pro-gun people that are the ones that are scared of this arms dealer being released. <laughs> right? Yeah. But they got, they I've, been got seeing, guns, I've been seeing all the pro-gun people that are up in arms yeah. about the fact that an arms dealer got released or got yeah. traded. But, and that's not to downplay who Victor Bout is. Nor is that to sit here and say that there ever would have been a fair trade, if you will. Because quite frankly... Brittany Griner wasn't under fair circumstances. Right, right. The, the, the penalty that she received, the punishment that she received, the sentencing that she received never matched what it was that she did, yeah. which was bring a gram of hash oil over to Russia. And you can sit here and talk about what the laws are in Russia, but there's also an ethical side of this, too. And based on the ethical side, the amount of time that she was sentenced was unfair to yeah. what the penalty and what the crime yeah, was, yeah, if you yeah. will. And I it say crime match. with air quotes. So I don't think we would have ever gotten to a point where 
we have this situation where a fair trade would have taken place. Yeah. But it's just always interesting to see the people who are the ones yeah. complaining. Because you funny. guys are so pro-gun when it yeah. comes to this country. And yeah. then when it comes to everybody else, yeah. you know, you, <laughs> you know still that, so tough? You, you, know <laughs> you that still the, that tough? You know that the swap would have happened for Whelan instead of Griner, then they would have been like, sounds fair to me. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, let just let's say the quiet part out loud. If you could, you know but, what I mean? But there's another quiet part that we kind of glossed over, right? So there's, there's a part of me that obviously wants to see her free because um, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. But then there's this other part that no one's, maybe they're whispering at the barbershops, okay? Where who was who was guiding her? Maybe this is too early, but I don't want people ready for this. Yeah. Who was guiding her and giving her advice on what to do when she was going through the airport, Right. What kind of mentorship was she getting? Yeah. And the other part to that is, did it really happen? Right. That's the other part. Mm. You know, did did that happen that way? She's too intelligent to to do that, I would think. But at the end of the day, we we don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations in terms of you know yeah. how do you how do you purport yourself when you are traveling in other countries? Yeah. Right? No. And, yeah. There's and, definitely and, something to learn from this. Yeah. Big time. And, yeah. And, and I think from the way she responded throughout all of this, and obviously those responses were quite limited. Yeah. But yeah. but she did. She was accountable. Yeah. In her responses. And I think that there there is something to take away from that. Again, it may be disproportionate in comparison to the actual punish the right. punishment given, but I do think that that is a huge nugget that right. we need to really dial in on is what can actually happen when you do leave. Knowing the laws are still important. Yeah, I yeah. spoke to the ethical side of things, but knowing the laws and being able to obey and follow the law so you aren't in a situation like this, yep. I, I think is very important as well. How do you feel about politicians, whether they are relevant or non-relevant, weighing in on it to the point where it's almost similar to what, you know, uh, the former president said about NFL players being SOBs. Yeah. And mm. and, and, and that's the kind of language and rhetoric being used right now. Yes. Uh, in terms of America's not weak. They're, they're, America's not strong. They're weak. What, is we, what are we doing? How, why, why do we do this? And, it's, and the undercurrent is because we traded, got a black woman. Yeah. Out of yeah. Who, yeah. Who I mean, happens to not be you know, uh, of the persuasion a lot of people like the fact that she's a gay black woman yeah. who did this and, and we we are we are divided as Americans. Yes, I, I, we are. In terms of should she have, should she be treated this way? Should she have been released as fast? And I, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm it's interesting watching. I, I think it speaks to the extremes of, of politics in America. And the reason why I say that is because, yes, while you do have the element of people that just are all the way off of her and yeah, and yeah. felt like she should have served that time and are calling her names. Um, there was a lot of bi bipartisan su uh, support politically from both the Senate and the House, where you had people from both sides of the political yeah. aisle that came together in by way of resolutions, signing yeah. off on resolutions to support that of Brittany Griner, obviously giving statements in those resolutions as well. So I think that just sort of speaks to the extremes of those who are just so far right or so far left yeah. or whatever the case may be that even for something, again, where, where I speak to sports speak in a universal language, even to something like this right now where we can clearly see both sides of the, of the aisle can actually get behind this. You have the contrarians, if you <laughs> will, that just want to not get behind it. And it's like, it's okay to get behind it. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, right. I know you have a political stance and yeah. you have affiliations and you have interests that you feel like you want, you don't want to be threatened. But like all that aside, like, 
We all do. And right. the fact that we were able to see examples of both sides coming together to be able to back and support her, I think that was really important mm-hmm. in regards to her release and, and the willingness of the Biden administration to actually go through the, with the trade, knowing the criticisms yeah. that yeah. they were going to receive back because of it. Yeah, I, I've had people, um, black and white, <clears throat> because I don't usually get involved with politics in terms of my my, my tweets. I, I usually yeah. do more inspirational things. But I, I took a, a hard stance on supporting Brittany Reiner. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. Um, after watching her college coach, who's now, um, I think she's at Baylor now. No, she, she left Baylor. She left Baylor. She's uh, at, LSU, LSU now, I think LSU. it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I went to West Virginia to do my doctorate. So I watched Brittany play all, you know, all through college. Yeah. Play West Virginia. And uh and it is really sad that they had she had to keep her sexuality under wraps the whole time. And not one time did her coach even come out and support her, former yeah. coach. <clears throat> and so a lot of white and black people would ask me, "Why are you so supportive of her?" And I'm like, "Why not?" And mm-hmm. I think, and I said, "You know, look at look at the the discrimination that this sister gets, right? Uh, the fact that she's a gay black woman." Okay, the fact that she plays in the WNBA, yeah, uh, and the fact let me say it again that she's a black woman. Yes, if this had been a white heterosexual woman, if it, you know, would it have been the same situation? Mm-hmm. I say no, and I'm looking at historically how how black women have been marginalized, and then I'm looking at how she's looked upon as a pawn in this situation here. Yes, yeah. and I'm like, you know, and then did what was she, was this planted on her? Did this happen? And yeah, you know, she had to acknowledge that she did something. Because she thought she was going to get a lighter sentence if she right. didn't, right? For sure. So, For sure. So, so when she admitted to it, and or admit, not admitted, but pled guilty, people are like, oh, she's guilty. Whether she's guilty or not, no one deserves that kind of punish, punishment, yes. in my opinion. Not Agreed. For not, not for that. Agree. Not, not for that. that. Not for that. that. Agree. Absolutely not. No. Agree. Agree. Well, again, man, I'm, I'm super happy and excited. To see her home, I'm happy and excited for her family. We'll obviously be following her journey. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're coming back at you with some Deion Sanders content, because mm. I got a lot to say about that, fellas, and I'm sure y'all do, too. We'll be right back on the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. And we're back, and I know y'all aren't particularly used to us taking a break in the middle of a podcast here. We usually roll straight through, but obviously <laughs> what the nice day it is. Yeah, it was a break. It was a good break for everybody. But uh, uh, obviously with what today was, we obviously have been talking about Brittany Griner. This podcast has extensively covered the Brittany Griner case. Um, you know, I had to make an appearance. It is what it is. I had to make a news appearance to go discuss Brittany Griner and her release, which I am overjoyed about. But let's transition away from that. And I got to talk, we've got to talk about Deion Sanders accepting the job at the University of Colorado. He's leaving Jackson State University. And quite frankly, there's mixed emotions about this whole thing. You obviously got those that support Deion Sanders and him moving on and progressing his career. You have those that felt like Deion Sanders might not have left Jackson State so cleanly, um, especially what it was that what he meant to HBCUs, to the HBCU community. And my emotions, quite frankly, have been all over the place about it, too. But I want to start by passing the rock to Dr. Mark. Dr. Mark, you... And here's why I want to start with you, because I I think I am going to be a little bit critical of HBCU culture, if you will, today. But I want to be fair, because I am somebody who attended a PWI 
to have somebody that has a lot more relation and connection to HBCUs yeah. like yourself. You played ball at an HBCU. You, mm-hmm. Did you attend? You, I mean, obviously, you played ball. You attended one. Um, you also, obviously, are, are, are all into education. I think you were employed by an HBCU as yeah, well. You've worked at a couple of HBCUs. Yeah. So I want to start with you, somebody who knows HBCU culture. Right. And can sort of just speak to all the dynamics of all of this that has kind of made this a controversy, which I struggle to see why. But I'm going to start with you, Doc. Well, first and foremost, I appreciate the platform, brother. Um, Appreciate you joining. We we actually, you and I started talking about this the other day. And uh, it was funny hearing, not your perspective, but um, we had, I'm not surprised when we agree, because we agree pretty much on a lot of of topics. Yeah. But we we really agreed on this topic because Mm. I think, the the issue that people are having and the mixed feelings they're having is <clears throat> because it's something that happens within the black community. Whenever mm. uh, a person of color, black person, goes to a, an environment and and does something positive for that environment, and then they decide to leave, then uh, then people are critical. We're critical of it yes. instead of looking at the bigger picture. Now, HBCU culture is a very special culture. Just yes. like it's the Ivy League culture is special. Right. Like uh, the ACC and Duke and Tobacco Road, that's special, right? Yeah. Right. And so there, there's there's different nuances in, in, in academia and uh, in terms of uh, the university space. Most people in America are not used to HBCUs other than maybe watching on TV or they heard about Battle of the Bands or they watched Drumline or something mm. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which is not a great representation of HBCUs. It's just, that's just a, 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 an inch, a, a, just a 1% of it. Right, um, right. But there's a strong traditions of, of HBCUs um, mm-hmm. starting, um, you know, starting in 1854 when the first HBCU uh, was erected. And I think a lot of people don't understand why they were even founded. And it was because they were a lot of black people were not allowed to go to uh, predominantly white colleges, especially in the South. Yes. Uh, and so that that created a, a, a kind of a, an opportunity for people of color, black people to go to college now. And it, it's 104 HBCUs. White people, Asian, Hispanics, all go to HBCUs now. Um, but but there's still that tradition uh, where if you go to an HBCU, <clears throat> it's almost like this entitlement. You know, like you know, I went here, I yeah. went to this school. Yes. You, I don't care where you went to school. If you went to Notre Dame or Duke or whatever, you you don't you don't understand it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If you're a black. And you go to visit the campus or visit the, the the environment. You you can understand it pretty quickly. It's like if you go to a black church and yes. you've not been here. And, and you, you, it doesn't matter where you live at or at that Universal. What's up? You go. I could go to Alaska. Do like this, and yes. will know what that yes, means. Sir. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, sir. Right. And, Zeb, um, Zeb, Zeb, you might have to edit this, but here in Portland, the blacks do it all the time. We know how white it is. I coined it the nigga nod yeah. when you walk by somebody that's black, and y'all just know y'all need to nod to each other because yeah, yeah, y'all yeah. both black. Oh, I do it. It happens all the time. Oh, Right yeah, here yeah. in this white ass state, in yeah. you know, predominantly white city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that so it's, it's a thing. It's, it's, it's an entitlement thing. And Dion, I think a lot of people I listen to uh, Bomani Jones talk about. It. He went to an HBCU. Yeah. I listen to Stephen A. talk about. It. He went to an HBCU. I also listen to Shannon Sharp, who kind of is on the same kind of the, lands in the same hemisphere as me when I'm thinking about what Dion did. So first, you got to consider this. Uh, this man decides to go to Jackson State. Yeah. Um, you know, he coached in high coached a high school team in in in, uh, in Irving, Texas, and yeah. and so he didn't have the the pedigree. To yeah. What people wanted. <clears throat> HBCU gave him an opportunity. They opp- gave him an opportunity to get his degree, which was great. And then he said <laughs> that um, Bomani Jones, you know, claimed you know he um, that he said uh, you know God called him to do it. Yes. So when you start talking about God in the black community. 
you know, cats gonna listen to you. Yes, Especially sir. if you walk in the walk and talking the talk. Yes. And Dion has done that throughout his whole career. Yes. This is the problem I have. <clears throat> this man goes there, makes three hundred thousand a year. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. He gets half of his salary. Half of his salary. Imagine that. Imagine Nick Saban giving half of his salary. I imagine me giving half of my salary. Imagine I, me giving half hey, of my I, salary. I don't got to look no further than myself. Right. right. You right. know what I'm saying? In that regard, I ain't doing it. Half his salary, uh, 84% of his game, 27-4 over three years. Yeah. Uh, goes to two uh, national championship games, wins two conference t- titles, uh, coach of the year twice. Um, and he's uh, helped, re- you know, kind of just – just, just, t- just turn HBCs upside down in terms of the yeah. the opportunities. Yeah, and then on top of that, he's got maybe over twelve or thirteen uh, sponsorship deals that he's gotten. I mean, he could have been the AD. Yeah, no, no offense to Stacey. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, he's doing, he's doing. Then he then he went and got the swag and got them deals as well. Yes. Um. So you talk about Procter and Gamble, Under Armour, Walmart, Disney, Mercedes, American Airlines. I mean, mm. are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then he gets an opportunity to go to Colorado. Okay. Now people don't understand it's in a pack. In the Pac-12, uh, they currently have no black, no black head coaches. Yes, the, court, mm. the, the coach at Stanford, who's there for twelve David years, David Shaw just yeah, left. He just yep. left. Yeah, and the other three were fired. Okay? Yeah, and so um, I think that Dion is in a situation, in my opinion, <clears throat> that there's a disparity of in terms of black head coaches in college football. Mm-hmm. Currently, there's six. Okay, in the Power Five, six. Yes, that's it. Right. Okay, not uh, a lot. And and in terms of all of all of college football, there's thirteen. Mm. All right. And then you talk talking Notre Dame, who's independent. They have a black head coach. All right. So so my thing is, I think Dion is in a position more, even more than Herman Edwards was. He's in a position where he can really redefine how black uh, coaches get opportunities at the, at the Power Five level. Yes. And I, and I think he has a, the, the the platform. The cachet. I think he has the cachet. Yeah. I think he has the voice. Yes. And uh and I think that he has he's in a position to do that and uh, and and influence other athletic directors. And and in the Pac-12, there's only out of the twelve uh, 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 athletic directors, um, five of them are non-white. Okay, yeah. that are in the Pac-12, and so again, athletic directors for centuries have hired people that look like them, yeah. or that they're yeah. familiar with. I mean, even the nepotism. NFL, you, yes, and look at the Rooney Rule in the NFL. Yeah, oh God, let's not get yeah. started. On yeah, that. don't get started. On that. <laughs> but but the point is that a, a lot of criticism of Dion is that he's left the black college behind. Yes, and uh, they left him in a really bad place. First of all, people did their homework; they would understand that Dion Sanders before they got there that Jackson State uh, led the FCS uh, nine years out of ten years before he got there in attendance, okay? Yeah, yeah. And he just elevated it, okay? Yeah. And what he's done is, is create a spotlight on other HBCU presidents to, and athletic directors to be creative and say, well, that's the blueprint. You don't got to do what Dion did, but you now have to look at the athletic department as a front porch. Yeah. And you've got to do that. Yes. You've got to hire athletic directors with business acumen. You've got to hire yeah. athletic directors that know marketing and branding yes. and things of that nature. And are connected. And are have connected. a strong network base. Yes. And you can, and you can, and there are so many black people out here that are coaches or that want to be coaches that came from the NFL or the high profile coaches that are, that came from, College football, but maybe they didn't get. The, they're not getting the, op- the opportunity. Like you know, Coach Taggart, for example, he had right. coached three different teams. But guess what? Guess who's going to take him on his roster? Deion Sanders. Yeah, and and Deion Sanders may even have an opportunity to elevate him again to get him another Power Five job. You right. Never know. Right. Um. But I think that we we we're so critical. And the thing about it is, my thing is the same people that are criticizing. What are you doing for the community? Right. What are you doing to give back? Right. Yeah. And and on top of that, if you were in this position, what would you do? 
And this is not even about Dion anymore. I think I think it's about his head coaches. It's not about him getting paid five million a year. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah. been he's gotten paid before. Yeah. And why, and why can't it be two things? If God told him to, to come, maybe God told him to leave. You don't know that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're punching my man. My man. My man. You know yeah. It's spirituality. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Who are you? You're punching my man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's next. You know what I'm saying? So. so no. No, man. I agree. And I'll be honest with you. You know, as I mentioned, I wanted you to be able to kind of give that perspective. Because all the history you just ran down about HBCUs, I couldn't do it. For one, I never attended one. Yeah. For two, I, I I didn't grow up. I'm I'm a West Coast kid, so HBCUs isn't necessarily that big of a thing right. over West. here. No. in the in the West Coast. No. So so for me, I wanted to be able to make sure that I had somebody that could because being a West Coast kid and being somebody that I would consider in tune with my own blackness. And I don't think that comes from an HBCU or a PWI. I think it comes from how I was raised and how yes. I grew up and what I grew up in, around, what was instilled in me, uh, fam, familial legacy. I mean, I can dig deep in regards to that, but that's not what I'm here to do. But for me, there does feel like, and this is a black-on-black black conversation. Spencer, I know you're the lone white guy here, but uh, <laughs> it, it is what it is. I, you haven't. Right. You, you, you haven't. You haven't. But I'm just acknowledging it for the listeners, man. We got <laughs> listeners, man. We got listeners. But um, to me, there is s- some type of a feel of like classism hmm. when it comes to HBCU culture. And the reason why I say that is it seems <clears throat> like how in tune you are with your blackness or how deeply connected you are with your blackness. If you went to an HBCU, some may call it pride, but sometimes it extends beyond that. If you went to an HBCU, you're deep, more deeply connected to your blackness than you're blacker than I am. Than I am that went to PWI private school, whatever the case may be, just generally speaking. And, and, Again, some of it is a sense of pride, and then some of it, I think, comes down to the historical connection, A, that has been lost from a societal standpoint for many black people for a wide range of reasons over the course of history, whether it be slavery, whether it be gentrification, redlining, uh, criminality. I mean, the list goes on and on about the ways that black people have been treated and in a lot of ways detached from their history. So you have this history of HBCUs that people that attend them can connect to, and they're more in tune with their black history, maybe more so than the average black person that went to a PWI. So Therefore, Dion's allegiance should have been to those black people yeah. at that HBCU. Well, don't, don't when you, it, but don't get it twisted. Just because you go to a black college doesn't mean that you're socially conscious. All right? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. But I, yeah. I think it's a cultural thing, though. And this yeah. is why I said this is more of a black on black conversation, yeah. because culturally speaking, based on my experiences, based on conversations that I've had and based on changes that I've seen from people that I knew and that I grew up with <clears> from <throat> when they went away and went to an HBCU for the first time yeah. and then they came they back. Home, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> And now we, me and Dr. Mark kind of talked about this before, before you came in and we kind of do this in the black community in general. Yeah. It's it's the hood versus the suburbs. Yeah. If you grew up in the hood, then you're more down, you're more black, you have more allegiance just to black people Mm -hmm. or African Americans in general. Or if you grew up in the suburbs... Your white bread or your white yeah. Bread. In this we case, the PWI would be the suburbs and the HBCU would be the hood. Exactly. We yeah. Do that to each other in general. Yeah. And when we when we met, you know, earlier, you know, I didn't I didn't know his background and nothing about him, but we vibe boom quickly. Right. And to me, it don't matter where you grew up at. It no. don't matter anything. The fact the connection is you and me. 
but then the the, the it's the energy and the spirit. Yeah. And my thing is that a lot of times we get caught up in vernacular, how someone talks, how mm. they enunciate yes. their words, how mm. they speak a certain way. And my thing is you got to be yourself always. But I think when when we are taught when we're younger, especially if you live in certain communities, if you're smart or you carry your books that you're corny and you're weak, you're being smart, being brilliant. But mm. when you're someone like, someone like Barack <clears throat> and Michelle Obama, We've had pride in people like that. Right. But the average person that might look like us yep. that's doing something dope. Like I told you, I said, if you went to an HBCU now and you bought your flavor the same the way you do it out here, yeah. I said, you kill it. Easy. Yeah. Because yeah. of because of because you you're 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 woven into the culture already. Yeah. Yes. The other thing is we don't understand and celebrate the culture of black colleges. Most black people and white people don't know the history of HBCUs, right? They don't know the contributions that HBCUs have made to professional sports. Like in the NFL, thirty four of the of the uh, uh, Pro Bowl I mean uh, Hall of Famers came from HBCUs. Yeah, yeah. people don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry Rice, yeah, yeah. Shannon Sharp. You yeah. know, there's there's, yeah. there's so many amazing and, and Eddie Robinson, Randy Moss. <clears throat> they know about you know Nick Saban. They know about all these other great uh, white coaches, but no one knows about Eddie Robinson. Yeah, the yeah. legacy. Fifty four years yeah. at Grambling. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They yeah. don't know about that. Right. Turned down so many jobs that were offered at so many PWIs. But and 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 Dion's not that. Dion wasn't trying to be that. Dion came in within three years and transformed with in, in the imagination yeah. what he did. And so that, I, I could see the the excitement that people have and wanting to see him do well. But half of those people that are complaining probably never even seen a Jackson State game. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably going to own the paraphernalia. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. For sure. And, uh, I, I think that he has a tremendous opportunity to do something really special here. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to look at the upside of it in terms of, well, he did this, he did well. And if Jackson State can say thank you, we appreciate you, why can't you? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know I mean? and no, I, think I they agree. Do appreciate, I think they do appreciate what he did. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> mind Jackson State or HBCU supporters being hurt. Yeah, like oh, man, yeah. obviously with the impact that. Dion came and made, he will be missed. Like it's Dion we're talking about here. This is yeah. prime time, so I understand. You know, folks that may have been critical of Dion being hurt. Yeah. That part I can understand. The part that disconnects with me is being critical of Dion, especially, you know, when you listen to a lot of the ways and how he left. Obviously, his team just went 11 and 0. You just win a SWAC championship. And right after the game, you got to announce to your team that I got to go. You're leaving, yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you didn't even really get to celebrate no. the fact that all the work, the blood, sweat, and tears that y'all put in together to have an unblemished season and go 11-0, and 0, win this championship, you don't even really get to, to, to celebrate it with your guys. But to me, that's not on Dion. That's on the system of NCAA football. <laughs> Dion is going to move on to another job, and he announces it on a Saturday night, and he's telling his team this on a Saturday after a game, and unless Less than 48 hours, the, the portal is open. The transfer yeah. portal is opening up. 1,050. He, he kind of got to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mean. Like, yeah. like <laughs> he, he kind of has to go. <laughs> you know, sorry that, yeah. you know, he didn't get to do a, a grandiose goodbye right. to, yeah. to Jackson State. And, and, and maybe that's still to come. But it's like the turnaround was so swift. And obviously me being somebody who's primarily covered college sports – 
I right. see it all the time. I mean, heck, just a year ago, I was champion for the Ducks right here on this very podcast to go get Dion. Yeah. And a year later, he ends up in the Pac-12. So it's something that I've seen in college sports, and a lot of the times – it's the system of college athletics mm. and its alignment with academics <laughs> that makes it really, really hard for mm. there to ever be a clean transition, a yeah. clean coaching transition from one place to another place. I've never really seen it. Right. You know what I'm saying? I've never really <clears throat> seen it for any coach, race aside. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like it just happened to hit home a little closer to home, being right. that Dion, yeah. who is who he is and, and the fact that he did – leave and transition away from a black college. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that's Dion's fault per se. Yeah, the other thing that people aren't paying attention to is is Jackson and uh, the, the city of Jackson. I mean, they, they went through a major water crisis and still in the middle of it. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, think about this for a second. In terms of, you know, toiletry, um, you know, running water. Um, if it was a fire there, there was a lack of water to even use for, for to put out a fire. And so kids in the high school, elementary school, they all couldn't go to school for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Dion was able to take the monies that he that he had and got his athletes in, into hotels and, yeah. and, and put them in situations that were functional, right? Yeah. But what about the basketball coaches and the tennis coaches and the golf? They didn't have the same resources as Dion, no. right? right? And yeah. so people don't know the, 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 the things that he had to do. I mean, before he got there, they got two new practice fields, brand new lockers now, and outside of University of Oregon, nobody is outfitted more yeah. than, than than Jackson State. You're right. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So he, he bought a lot and and, and created a, a unique imagination what they can do. Now, um, if I was at Jackson State, would I be sad that he left? Absolutely. But yeah. it also will be like, great. Look what he's done for us. Yeah. He gave us a blueprint. You know, no reference to Jay, Jay-Z. But no, he, he, did. <laughs> he, he got the blueprint here. And now we have a chance to, to to look at that blueprint and maybe, you know, look at it and see what you can do with it. Yeah. You know, um, I, I just I just think that we're 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 too hard on each other. Yeah. And, mm. and instead instead of being reflective and, and acknowledging what he's done great. Yeah. And that's what's kind of disheartening is that all the good he's done is overlooked and overshadowed mm -hmm. by him leaving. Yep. Yeah. You just talked about all the all the good he did with with, um, with the water crisis and everything he's done in these three years, just for the school in general, yep. and for those kids, for all for all those black kids that he cares about those kids. You know? Definitely, he's not going to stop caring about those kids just because he left. But all the good he's done in these three years, it's just kind of been washed away. It seems by by a certain sector of people. Yeah, just because he's leaving now. And, yep. and again, man, I, I just really think about in this. <clears throat> Again, as just a, a black kid or a black person that went to a PWI, and, and don't get me wrong, are there black snobs at PWIs? Absolutely. <laughs> like everywhere. you're going to have it everywhere. And, and, and quite frankly, the snobbery may look different from some of the snobbery that may exist in HBCU <laughs> culture. And I yeah. think this is an example of some of that yeah. snobbery from the HBCU culture. The fact that they are criticizing Dion and not really reflecting on all the great that he's done. And again, I don't see why this is even a controversy myself, but you've got the, <clears throat> the, the black folks that go to PWIs. And again, maybe they, come from the suburbs, if you will, and they yeah. don't have a connection to their black culture, you know, intensely enough to where they misread certain things, yeah. you know, about black culture and about being black. And, and then they realize once they get to the PWI, I'm still black. I'm still black. 
You know what I'm saying? You, but you but but that snobbery black. and some of that sort of <laughs> that attitude, Carlton Banks, if you will. Yeah, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. If I had to yeah. give like a mainstream example yeah, of what snobbery that. may look like exactly. at a PWI, obviously, <clears throat> you know, elements can differ case by case. But like somebody like that. But then the moment of truth is always going to come where you'll have that moment where you realize you're still black, though. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? And, and so, again, I just think, you know, HBCU culture, they, they had a bit of an entitlement to Deion Sanders. And, again, I'm not mad at them for having that. But I do think that, one, acknowledge Deion's greatness, and, two, acknowledge he's still within college football, that is still a, a majority black sport. And as he said in the presser, like, look at me. I, I'm still black. Right. 65 to 70% of these kids in the locker room that black. I'm going to be impacting <laughs> is still black. What do we do about them? Do we just not acknowledge their yeah. blackness because yeah. they didn't go to an HBCU yeah. or they don't attend an HBCU and don't have, again, that connection to history that maybe black people that, uh, you know, that are able to go to HBCUs, which, again, is a great system. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that that outlet is there. But. Sometimes within our culture, you know, there's classism that we don't necessarily acknowledge amongst each other that on this platform we're willing to do and most platforms quite just haven't or can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of, the, one of the things that I, the criticism I've seen <clears throat> about Dion, I think that really disturbed me, <coughs> excuse me, disturbed me was that he, uh, he used the black, how he used them, right? And I'm yeah. Like, he yeah, I heard them. a lot of that. Like, how, how did he yeah. use them? I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? First of all, the things that he was able to do um, most human beings couldn't do, <laughs> and he was able to do something that uh, was unique and different, yeah. um, and 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 different from what Eddie Eddie Robinson did. But he 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 still made an impact. Yes. The other thing was, <clears throat> he was really instrumental in really getting young men to believe in themselves, young mm. black men to believe in themselves, and go to class and study and and graduate, and uh, not necessarily focus on the NFL and character. And, uh, and and I think that that's missing, too. No one wants to talk about that. And he's not the only black coach that does that. I mean, Eddie George does it at Tennessee State. You know, yeah. Eddie Robinson Jr. does it at Alabama State. A lot of black coaches do that. Um, and then there's also this, this um, disparity in terms of colleges. Jackson State's a public school. Don't get it twisted. They don't have money, okay? Mm -hmm. They don't have money. Now, you're talking about Bethune-Cookman and Howard's of the world, those, those kind of schools. Those schools are private black colleges. Okay? Yeah. So people don't understand there's a difference in terms of how they're funded, yeah. and there's a difference mm. in terms of, of, of the history of this. And a yeah. lot of people, if you don't know the history of it, then it's hard to, to grasp why black people are upset. But you, you got to have some black friends. And if you have black friends, <laughs> talk to them about, you know, how our culture is at some time. Not all the time, but how do yeah. we how do we interact with each other? Yeah. And it's the same thing for Indian, Native Americans, uh, Asian culture. They have certain things in their culture. If you don't know about it, you're wondering why are they upset at this caste system over here? Why are they upset about mm -hmm. colorism? Yeah. There's a lot of things, that, a lot of nuances that happen. Yeah. Uh, but there's also things that are prideful. Like when I was growing up. In New Jersey, and I, I think, I'm not sure, well, Steve Harvey's the host of it now on Family Feud, but growing up on Family Feud watching Richard Dawson, anytime we saw a black family, because you never see black families on TV, you're, you're cheering yeah. for the black family, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But, yeah. but your white friends don't know that yeah. right. when they're at home. I, right. How would you know that, right? We, 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 we danced when Soul Train came on with Don Cornelius. Yeah. Why? Because there was no <laughs> black shows on TV, and we mm. celebrated like hell. I know people don't want to hear this, but when Cosby came on, yeah. <clears throat> in a different world. Yeah. It changed the landscape and how we look at black colleges. Uh, when Different World came on, HBCUs, uh, their enrollment went up, I think, 62% yes, during the five years it was on TV. Yeah. That was the time I was in college. So I understood it. And, if you again, if you're not a part of that, 
even if you, you don't you don't have to be at a black college to understand it. Right. Yeah. All you need to do is pick up a book or talk to people and, and learn about it. Yeah. And so I, I feel you on what you're saying, but at the same time, people need to understand the context of what's happened here. Yeah. And if you don't know context, it's easy for you to be like, where are the problems? Why can't he just leave and be be happy? It's right. not it's not that simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and, and the other thing is it, when you start questioning someone's religion and a black community about their God, yeah, that's a problem for me. And that's what I was listening to some of the some of the um some of the uh, you know mainstream black uh, reporters were saying stuff. You know, did, did God tell you to leave? Did God? T-? And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second, brother. Yeah. You don't know what 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 that person. What God saying. tell him ain't what God yeah, telling you. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. So, be careful. Yeah. Our you know? Absolutely. Well, well, congratulations to Dion. Exactly. I'm congratulating him. I am too. And, and I'm celebrating him ultimately for for what he's done and. and I've just the foresight and the trust and the faith and what I believe in him being able to do and being the first ever black coach to get hired as a head coach to a power five school from an HBCU. So I, I'm celebrating that. I'm that congratulating that. a big deal. Yeah. yeah. What you just said. A huge deal. It's a big deal. And <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, that may open up doors for other black head coaches. Maybe they're. Not just from HBCUs, but definitely from from there as well to possibly move up into power it, to the Power Five conference. It's two things that matter in this, and then we'll we'll transition to the next topic. It's representation, yep. First and foremost, that matters, and I think you just kind of alluded to that with the TV shows and and you know yep. and and the entertainment, the moments of entertainment where that representation made for celebratory moments for us because we don't quite get it and accessibility. The right. fact that Dion was able to do that. Dion is the only one that has that kind of cachet to be able to gain the access to be able to accomplish that. That's why he's the first ever to do it. And we have to appreciate the fact that he's gained that access and he's used this avenue to gain that access. So now we have a model to be able to follow to be able to gain some of that access as well and show that it actually is a thing that can happen. It's feasible. It's tangible. It's happened. We're seeing it right now with Dion. And so, you know, those two things have, have always been really important for me, uh, especially for our community with the black community. Yes. Uh, first and foremost, I want us to be represented. However, that may look most of the time. However, that may look sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know? Sometimes it's not a good look. <laughs> do but, better you know, sometimes. Yeah. We all can do better yeah, sometimes. Of course. But, but, but also us being able to gain access in places and spaces that, that we just couldn't quite before. And, and so I, I congratulate and I celebrate Dion for that. No doubt. I, I want to pivot and party. I want you to chime in on this. You, you cover the NBA and Dr. Mark, you do some behind the scenes work with the NBA as well that I'm privy to know about. It's up to you. If you want to let everybody else know, um, but Kyrie and Nike are no longer together. Yeah. <laughs> And we all, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and go over everything Kyrie's been through in the media <laughs> lately. I mean, no, we, we I, can all use it as context if, if need be, <coughs> but the relationship is over with. Go ahead and chime in too, man. You, uh, you sign oh, like, I'm still you here. Sign <laughs> I'm still look, man, look, I just basically got like a crash course in something that I probably should have to pay for, but I didn't. That's <laughs> it. Here, That's it. Take it free yeah, oh, oh, Doc, Doc, Doc and, and we're, priv- we're privileged to have Doc here, yeah, man. He gets paid to speak all over, all over the country, all over the world. You, you catch him anywhere. Um, you, you were, they heard the bio. We, we read the bio at the beginning. Um, but Part i I'm going to let you lead with this one, man. What are your general thoughts uh, of Kyrie splitting with Nike 
Um, and, and just kind of where things stand with Kyrie and even the Brooklyn Nets a little bit right now because it's kind of chaotic over there. Yeah, it's been very chaotic over there. Um, I mean, as far as Kyrie, I, after the whole tweet thing happened with Kyrie, I, I, this was not a shock to me mm-hmm. as far as um, him and Nike splitting, however it happened, him getting <coughs> dropped, him just leaving, however it happened. Yeah. It, it wasn't a shock. Um, I think Kyrie, I mean, I've said this for a while, Kyrie – there's a lot of other things that Kyrie that are important to Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I don't see him playing basketball for much longer. I just really don't. Mm. Like everything that happens with him, whether it's from the smallest to the largest, we can go back the last, I guess, three years now. Yeah. Really longer than that. But he just doesn't seem like his heart's always in it as far yeah. as basketball. Now, on the court, yeah. He's, he he's, always like, but that just comes naturally to him. Like he can get out there without in his sleep, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And drop forty on you. Yeah, cross you up. Do whatever. Do everything that he does. But it just doesn't. It just seems to me like this may be one of the first steps, or probably not even the first steps, towards an early retirement for him. Like if you can call him, mean, he's been in the league over a decade. Now. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's yeah. Not early, but yeah, yeah. He's just never been someone that I've seen that I've thought that's going to play till he's like 35, 38, yeah, something like that. It's not the LeBron blueprint. No, with him. definitely not. And again, he's just, he, he's very, he's active in the community. You know, and now I've had issues with, you know, certain things that he's done over the years. Um, but I do like a lot of the things that he does off the court. Yeah. As far as yeah. being active within the community, in, uh, in the, within the Native American community as well, not just the black community. So yeah. I like a lot of the things he does. Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for here yeah, it's, just, it's community yeah, community just, activist whatever, yeah, 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 whatever, yeah, yeah, however yeah. you want to sure, sure. look at it I don't agree with everything he says and does but I do like some of the things he does off the court but as far as the Nike thing I wasn't surprised by that okay not at all were not, you not were all. you dot as far as him um departing yeah <laughs> you know I was looking at people's kicks in here you know hey we got a sports got marketing guru in here I, right I, now I, I'm, yeah I'm yeah the Jordan ones over here yeah. <laughs> your, shoe game, your shoe game is better than ours doc it is what it is I come from <laughs> industry but I, yeah you do come from I, industry um, in a real way uh, it's, it's it's mixed messages that Nike's sending right mm. because you know there are times that you know they didn't split with uh Kobe when he yeah. went through his his situation, the rape allegations, yep. uh, they didn't split with Cop- Colin Kaepernick. Um, they they but they did give Allison Felix some hell. Okay, yeah, and I, I didn't like that at all. The hell they put her through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Kyrie, it was interesting how they immediately Nike. You know, they they they. It, it, you must do something. You must have done something egregious. I mean, crazy for Nike to part ways with you. Yeah, right. Um, it's rare you see a company, even Reebok, with all the stuff Iverson was doing at Reebok yeah. um, when he's playing in the league. I mean, they didn't depart, depart from very. It's rare for <laughs> yeah. a shoe company. Yeah, you know, other sponsors. Yeah, um, do I think the punishment fit the crime? No, I don't. I think that um, Kyrie, <clears throat> over the years, as a brother alluded to, um, he's said some controversial things. Um, I think that uh, Kyrie apologized. Okay. Um, I think that um, anytime that you say anything that someone doesn't like that uh, is, is is around the Jewish community, yeah. uh, you're anti-Semitic. 
even if it's the truth, if, if I said that there are more black, if a white person said there's a lot of black players in the NBA, uh, that's the truth. Yeah. Does that mean you're racist? No. Yeah. You said there's a lot of uh, white uh, Jewish owners in the league. That's true. Yeah. Or there's a lot of white Jewish uh, uh, directors in Hollywood. That's true. How yeah. are you anti-Semitic? Yeah. And so we allow others to put labels on us. <clears throat> Do I think the punishment fit the crime with Kyrie? Hell no. I think that Kyrie specifically was talking about the lost tribe of Israel. And he's basically saying, I'm one of the original Jews. Yeah. But, but, but it went over everybody's head. And if I was advising Kyrie, I would have said, you know, first of all, I would have told him not to tweet something like that <laughs> yeah. because you got to have context to it. You can't exactly. put something out there without yeah. context. Right. And if he did put context to it, he, would he still gotten flagged? I, I still think he would have oh, because, because of his past. Right. right. I agree. Um, and I think that even though his father is smart and he has a lot of good people around him, I, I don't know what motivated him to do that. I think he's trying to maybe trying to be defiant. But I'm looking at him like, brother, you're black. You can't be doing stuff like that. <clears throat> it didn't help, too, that LeBron and others did not come to his defense by saying freedom of speech because he didn't really talk about the Jewish community. We, he's not Kanye. Okay, just oh, two different God. people. <laughs> yeah. Night and day. I, I've, night and, I've night, talked about that here. Night and day. Yeah, not Kanye. Yeah, agree. Um, but do I think Nike jumped the gun? Yeah, I do. And so I, I'm disappointed that Nike did that. But but maybe it's an opportunity for him to do something different. Well, yeah. jump the gun in that you think that he's going to get picked up by another shoe company. I think he could create his own. I mean, he right now he run on the side of his uh, shoe last night. Logo free, free, here, yeah. free agent, I'm free. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I think I think it, it comes down, and I think we're a forgiving nation. Lavar Ball? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but maybe not though. Uh, yeah, um, I think uh, I think we're a forgiving culture, and yeah. I think uh, he 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 apologized. Uh, I think the NBA was excessive. And um, you know, I have a partnership with the NBA, so I know people at the NBA yeah. looking at me like, "Mark, you know, we want no." Yeah, you, you, it was excessive, okay, to make him do all those things, to make him pay all this money, and to, to sit amongst the Jewish community. And do, do, do you, do you, do you advocate that for other cultures to do the same thing for the black community? No, you don't. No. Yeah. And so it was excessive. <laughs> um, and I think that Nike split was excessive. And so, um, it's it, it saddens me that a black athlete <clears throat> can't speak. Um, speak up about issues that, that bother them and concern them. Yeah. At the same time, I also am, am conscious of that uh, that you don't disrespect cultures. You don't res- disrespect LGBTQ. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. don't disrespect the age. You don't. You just don't do that. Yeah. And if you do anything remotely close to it, have context to it. Mm. Right. Like when I just talked about those those different areas of the, the black community, the Jewish community. Yeah. I context. And if somebody wants to come after me for saying that, come 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 for me. Yeah. I want you to come for me. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. I think you're ready. You're ready. <laughs> I think you're ready. Because you know. But I think I think that we have to also give give people room to make mistakes, especially if they they're wrong and they they admit that they're wrong. Yes, right? for sure. And so we got to have grace. And I don't think there was a lot of grace with him. Got it. No, I agree. I was just, you know, I was just asking the question. Because, I mean, it's right now, he is a free agent yeah. when it comes to the shoe deal thing. And I know yep. that, you know, there are people going, ooh, should we take a flyer on that? But I, it, it doesn't feel like, and I'm and I'm totally impartial. I'll be honest. Like, I, from my perspective, I'm impartial about those type of issues. I'm not black and I'm not Jewish. Right. So it's just me watching from an objective place. But it's like. It, it 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 is a little unsettling still in that it's like that is the sentiment that is around that it's like ooh this is a pretty dicey flyer to be taken on one of the best basketball players in the league <laughs> when at the end of the day you're just shell- selling shoes and it's like Nike don't you don't have you don't have any room to be throwing stones 
So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Especially, yeah. really especially about with the track record, in my opinion, it's like, and this is just my opinion, but the the reason why you see time in and time again that like issues like, say, the Kobe situation or whatever is because those are the same things that these corporate, you know, uh, uh, executives are pulling in their own free time. Yeah. It's, especially as it's directed toward women, that's a completely different, you know, topic yeah, of discussion. Yeah. So it's like, it's easy to be like, oh, well, we can just sweep that under the rug or not have to deal with it. But then when it comes to issues like, you know, uh, w- race or whatever, it's like, it becomes a completely different uh, uh, stance for them to, for them to take. And I think that it was a little premature in terms of. And what about Amazon? Amazon had hmm. us up there for the last couple of years, right? So where's Jeff hmm. Bezos? Where, why, why, why aren't we, where's the smoke for him? We coming after Kyrie yeah. like he like right. he committed Harry Carey he like he committed such a, a heinous yeah. crime and I'm like yeah. wait a minute what about what about Amazon it's been out there for four or five years yeah yeah right for sure and no accountability there we're yeah. not putting accountability on that I don't get it yeah yeah Doc I, I want you to talk a little bit about you know the 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 pioneer piece we we introduced you <clears throat> early um, I've been fortunate to be able to experience what you've already brought to Pacific University. You're a professor at Pacific University, my alma mater, obviously. We 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 went there, broadcast there, so on and so forth. Um and I've already seen you bring people of the likes of Dr. Richard Lapchick. I've seen you bring people of the likes of Matthew Knowles and I'm excited for what's in store. This is all within year one, by the way. And and I ain't talking about a calendar year. We ain't got that far yeah. yet. Um, but just sort of speak to, you know, your journey's path to educator yeah. and the work that you had to do within the industry and within the corporate sphere to be able to start a sports and business, a sports and entertainment sector at the College of Business School at Pacific University and which now has you here as Dr. Mark Williams today. Yeah, I think uh, my career is uh, one of those things where. You know, growing up, I didn't expect to, <clears throat> like, well, some people have a clear clear path on what they want to do. Yeah. And we were just talking outside during the break about, like, my career path. Typically, I, I come from sports and entertainment. I never thought ac- academia would be part of it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I was not a serious student when I was in college. I, my father was an educator, but I was not that dude. I was, like, not serious. I mean, yeah. I had a 1-7. I had to drop out of college, you know, my, when I was 19, 20 years old. Right. <clears throat> and went back to school at 23. Um, and hadn't looked back since. And uh, I think what happened for me was that Dr. Labchick, he uh, he kind of set the tone for my career. I met him uh, when I was a let me see my sophomore my sophomore my sophomore year end of my sophomore year early junior year in kind of in college, and uh, I got a chance to go to Nebraska and learn how to do research. And that's why I met Dr. Labchick and. Uh, you know, uh, Tom Osborne, Dr. Tom Osborne. People know how big uh, Nick Saban is. Yeah. Tom Osborne was was coach of the decade in the 90s. That's yeah. how big he yeah, was. Three national Oscars. titles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first experience in sports was working with Tom Osborne and his football team that won a national title. And um, and that's where I met Dr. Lapchick. <clears throat> and then I got a chance to meet some industry giants. I mean, I met Phil Knight, you know, when I was a junior in college. I met Paul Fireman, who, who's a, the founder of Reebok. Um, and Lapchick did that. Met David Stern, um, all the all the uh, NFL, Major League Baseball, all the all the commissioners. Because Lapchick, he does a racial and gender report card where he examines uh, the hiring practices of ethnic minorities and women with all the sports leagues. So those those commissioners are scared of him. Yeah. So he yeah. introduced me to them while I was going through my journey. 
And my first job, um, like I said, I worked with Tom Osborne. Um, my next job opportunity, working with John Calipari, you know, when I was at UMass. Um, my next opportunity came with the Basketball Hall of Fame, which was down the street from UMass. Um, and then my my big break in was working for Reebok. Pete Roby, who uh, was uh, was the he's the athletic director at Dartmouth now, but he was the vice president of Reebok. Hired me, and my job was to manage Allen Iverson and Venus Williams when I was there at Reebok. Mm. Um, so I, I got a chance to do that. Um, <clears throat> I guess I did a decent job because the, the the president CEO he had introduced me to the other vice president Sean Neville, who became the the, the CEO of a company called Foot Action, yeah. which is a division of Foot Locker. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> and I became the national director of marketing. <clears throat> Um, being out of grad school, maybe not even a year now, right? Wow. Um, and when I was there, that's when my career went from working in the shoe industry to now working for a sports retailer who now we became the first retailer to ever put hip-hop artists on in terms of giving them shoe contracts. Yeah. And, you know, the Jay-Z 50 Cent thing didn't happen until we did this mm. thing with Eve. We launched her album. So Eve is the, <clears throat> so Eve is yeah. the first... Hip-hop artists yeah. to have a shoe contract. Yes, not only a shoe contract, but we were able to mix, we, we were able to fuse hip-hop music and sports together. Yeah. And so when you wow. came into a foot action store, you would see music videos and yep. things of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah, we yeah, took yeah. that. I remember, and, the, I remember the days. Yeah, I was man, a young, I was a young fella. Yeah, because <laughs> don't, you don't see that anymore. That's, yeah. They're out of the stores now. So when you go into the stores, you you know, our CEO said, how do you, how, how do we, what, what is our core <clears throat> consumer? I said, okay, they're they're uh, twelve to twenty four year old kids. What do they do for fun? They listen to music. They play sports. Mm -hmm. They they play video games. They go to movies. These are the things that they do. So let's talk to the advertisers to advertise their brands in our stores. Hmm. So now that that they have another base that they can rely on, because a movie company <clears throat> they want to advertise to a young kid, they're gonna have to go to to BET or VH1 or MTV, right, yeah. or a movie theater. But now you come into 600 stores on foot action, you now have another audience of people you can communicate with, and you yeah. get to have rotation like 40 times a day Damn. advertising your mo the movies. Yeah. Same thing with uh, the, the, the video game companies, same thing. Other than going to, uh, to, 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 um, to maybe the video game stores, a GameStop, how do you advertise to these young people? So I was able to touch the music, the sports, the fashion, film, all at one time. And so when we did that with Eve, she's supposed to sell... I think um, 200,000 copies of her record. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's called Scorpion, her sophomore album. Yeah. Right. She wound up selling 3.5 million, and then she went and uh, did a single with Gwen Stefani, Lose Your Mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that won a Grammy, first duo Grammy ever. <clears throat> and then we worked with this um, other group. <clears throat> um, we I got a phone call because I was on the cover of Billboard magazine. I'm a sports retailer now, <laughs> and I'm on the cover of Billboard with, with Eve. Okay? Yeah. Which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. And um, every record label started calling me saying, yo, can we can we put our artists down? Because this is early 2000. This yeah. is 2001, right? So we did that thing with Rough Rider, with DMX and the Locks and all those cats. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next person I get a call, um, it was a 212 phone number, New York City number. And this cat was like, I got a group that's, that's dope, and they're going to sell at least $12 million. And I'm like, okay. And mm -hmm. they're from Atlanta. And he was he managed oh, them. And uh, his name was L.A. Reed. And the group was called Outcast. Outcast. Oh, yeah. The album was called Stankonia. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know that one. All right. yeah. 19 million. Yeah. Talk about yeah. it, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm at the Grammy Awards being out of school, 
out of school, maybe a year and a half. So I'm sitting in the third row next to L.A. Reid. Mm. Then I see over here on the left side, I see Kelly, Michelle, and Beyonce over here. <laughs> then I see a name, woman named Oprah Winfrey sitting in the middle going to present. <laughs> then over here, I see Jay and I see Damon Dash. And, and Beyonce and Jay had not even met yet. Yeah. And I'm sitting here next to L.A. Reid. And on the other side of L.A. is a guy named Usher. That's his artist, right? <laughs> right so I'm yeah, sitting there like, too. I'm tripping, right? Yeah. And so I'm at the Grammys. And then next thing you know, at the end of um, <clears throat> Outcast fifth Grammy, <laughs> There's a guy behind me that's like, yo, you want to do movies next? Do you want to advertise hmm. movies in your store? And I'm thinking, okay. I'm listening to him, but I'm checking out Destiny's Child. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your eyes is wandering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your eyes is wandering. I'm all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so this cat is talking about doing a movie with me. Uh, and I'm looking back, and he was like, are you Mark Williams? And I'm like, yeah. But his, his voice was like, are you Mark Williams? It was Chris Rock. Okay? Yeah. He had a movie called Head of State. Yeah, he's uh, running for president. That's my, yep. that's okay. my classic. So in the movie, he runs Bernie Max's brother. He runs yep. into the yep. runs into a store to get some Fubu gear, and that's a foot action store. That's called product placement. That was my yep. first product placement deal, uh, uh, and then that happened. And then we did such a good job with him. You tell your friend about somebody. You told your boy about me. me. Yeah, he told his yeah. boy about me, and um, his, his name was Roll Farrell. And he did a movie called Kicking and Screaming, product placement in that. Oh, so shit. So I, I wound really? up doing product placement in over 105 feature wow. films Damn. while I'm working in sports retail. <laughs> Same thing with the video games. So we did, you know, Tiger Woods. We did Tony Hawk. We yeah, did, but he ain't black because he teach at a PWI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He ain't black because yeah. he teach at a PWI. Yeah. He don't teach at a black college right now. Yeah. He teaches at Pacific University yeah. In, yeah. in Forest Grove, Oregon in That's the right. sticks. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And got the PhD on top of it. Talk about it, Doc. You don't know it. Say, listen, you should see the the jacket that he's got. Yeah, it's fraternity alpha, the first black fraternity. Fraternity out there. Yeah, and you you like you can't when you meet people you can't look at them and size them up and be like this is what that cat is. You know what I mean? You can't do that. Right. No people. You know, and and like I'm like one of the few professors. I'm tatted up. You know what I'm saying? My students know that. Yeah. And my thing is, you can't look at somebody and judge them. And like I said, I've been very fortunate in my career to do some dope stuff so now I get to take all the stuff I did in my career and bring it to the classroom and educate and empower students mm. right um, and so for me it's been a, a blessing to to do that and I, you and I met I think in April when yeah. we bought Beyonce's dad yeah. Um, yeah. and that's how I came to Pacific because we brought Beyonce's dad here to talk about our relationship we've had over 20 years together and then they said students said would you would you be interested in creating a program around sports and entertainment <clears throat> and I, I did my, I had to do my pop culture reference, man. My wife had um, uh, a hat sitting in the front row, and uh, the new president, I Dr. Remember. Coyle, was sitting right yeah, here. You, you know what I did, yeah, right? Yeah, I know exactly what and, you and did. What I, I did was, I was like, uh, they said, would you come here? And I said, baby, give me my hat. Bring my hat to me. She brought the hat to me, and I said, I'm bringing my talents to the forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. there. And the audience Real true story. Was, you know, yeah, yeah, the whole, yeah. And then the next yeah, week, they I made was a deal. They, next week, they were like, yo, can you come? I'm like, bet, I'm coming. And, yeah. we, and we came. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so we got a gym at Pacific yeah. University right? here, folks. Yeah. And he'll be back here on the Wake Up and Win podcast, too. But I just had to make sure to just, you know, get let him tell y'all. Yeah. I can only tell you so much reading yeah. the bio. I wanted him to close this thing's, thing out by letting them know who Dr. Mark really is. We appreciate you for joining Party. You know what it is. You always. you always got a home here on this podcast. We do on yours as well. For sure. And and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get Dr. Mark through there too, man, yeah, to, talk yeah, 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 yeah. to talk about yeah. it. To talk about it. Yeah. Um go ahead. 
No, nah, no, nah, I'm uh, just saying I'm just I'm just grateful to be here, man. Yeah. I appreciate the platform. Uh, absolutely. Plug, Every- some, plug something, Chris. Plug something. Yeah, everybody Talk plug something. It. Your social media, uh, where to follow you, so on and so forth. Of course, I cross over with Chris Partee. Um catch That's me right. every week on fullpresscoverage.com, full press coverage app, and catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Partee. Well, me, you uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, same same handle, Doc Spitzfire, D-O-C-S-P-I-T. Spitzfire 06. That's the that's the that's the year my fraternity was founded, 06. And of course I gotta shout out to my beautiful wife, Peru, and my beautiful baby, my daughter, six month old, Maru. Uh, Daddy loves you. And uh just want to say thank you to Pacific for giving me this platform and this opportunity. Of course, Pouncy brother, thank you. Yeah, for I, sure. Man, yeah. I, I'm so glad as a Pacific alum, you know, we both went to Pacific and knowing what I went through and knowing some of the things that I was doing that were like I was literally the only one on campus doing it. And obviously, I took the media journalist route, but as far as the the what I wanted to cover, as far as the the cultural dynamic that that I wanted to bring and my mission in becoming a journalist, ultimately, um, there wasn't a lot of people doing it. I didn't have a lot of people that I could look to on campus that was doing what was just going through my head. And you're the first person that's come to Pacific's campus that is like, oh yeah, what well, he's attempting to do is what I didn't have during my tenure as a student here at this university. So I'm glad that the students coming behind can, can have somebody, you know, in, in faculty and as a professor that can teach them some of the things that are, are a lot more culturally relevant that maybe the university just wasn't quite tapped into. Cause I quite frankly felt like an outcast up there, but I was comfortable in that, you know, for some people that could be an absolute turnoff and that can be what makes you go away from trying to accomplish a mission where for me, I knew I needed the educational side of things to formalize who I really was that the school and the student body for the most part didn't quite necessarily connect to. So I'm grateful now that there is a connective piece at the university for those who think like me, identify like me and and want to represent themselves in their communities in creative ways that, that just weren't available, quite frankly, even five years ago when I was a student there. So I'm stoked to have you here in the state. Obviously stoked to have you at Pacific University and it's going to be plenty more to come, man. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and And go go in. in.